0: Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to episode two of the Insurance Guys podcast. You're listening to your fearless host, Mr. Scott Howell, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services located in Huntsville, Alabama. And today I'm joined by first team All-American, Rivals five-star recruit. Ladies and gentlemen, he is a fantastic insurance agent and a better American, please welcome the incomparable Bradley Flowers. How you doing
1: today, Scott? How you
0: doing, Bradley? I'm great, man. Thank you for coming in today, brother. We are also streaming live on Facebook. Guys, let's do a little housekeeping before we get started. Number one, if you love us, if you like us, or you don't like us, I would love for you on all these places that we have our podcast, which includes Spotify. The
1: only insurance
0: on, podcast on Spotify only
1: insurance agent. as of That's right. January the 11th,
0: 2018. Bam. So we're on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, where else? iHeartRadio. You name it, we're on it. We're basically the Ryan Seacrest of insurance agency podcasts. I like the Kanye West of insurance.
1: Yeah, the Kanye
0: West of insurance. Kanye West had a podcast. Agency podcast. If you can find a phone, if you have one surgically attached to your hand, like 99.99999% of Americans, and you have any... Any means of downloading a podcast off any of these apps, you can probably find the Insurance Guys podcast. But not only that, today Bradley and I are actually streaming live on our The Insurance Guys podcast Facebook Facebook page. Like us on Facebook. So you can like us on Facebook too. We're recording from Deep Fried Studios (laughs) in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, we are recording from Deep Fried Studios in Mobile and I am proud to be down here today. Guys, today we're going to be talking about episode two. You're in the insurance business. What in the hell are you going to be doing next? You have passed your insurance license exam, whether that's property casualty, life and health or both, and you're getting ready to go out into the big bad world and sell insurance. And guys, that that's a little
1: scary when you get started. Uh, Everybody but, likes to talk all big and bad, and then when yeah. January 1st rolls around or it's time to start, it, yep, that's it right. gets a little scary. It does, especially when
0: you're a newbie out there and you're, you're just getting into it. Before we get started, guys, let's review a little bit about what we talked about last week in episode one. Episode one of the Insurance Guys podcast, we talked about how Bradley and I got started in the business. I'm going to boil that down to really four rules that we talked about. Rule number one, I'm going to do rule number one and rule number one B. Rule number one, figure out which vehicle is right for you. If you're not in the insurance business and you're thinking about getting into it, goodness gracious, you need to listen to this podcast, but you need to figure out which one of these vehicles. Are you going to sell home and auto insurance? Are you going to sell commercial insurance? Are you going to sell financial services? But you need to figure out what vehicle you want to sell and then conjointly with that, and I don't know if that's a word or not, but I just used it anyway, conjointly making with making up that, words and crap. Yep, yep. That's right. Just call me Wikipedia. It, conjointly with figuring out what you're going to sell and what company you're going to work for, you need to get your ass out there and go find a mentor, go find a mentor that's been in the business that sells the type of vehicle that you think you want to sell and And go sit down with them and talk to them about what your options are. You know, I don't know how many options you have. You know, I had a number of options when I was getting into the business. And quite frankly, a lot of these companies, if you can fog a mirror, they will show an interest. And if you've got three or four or five or six options on what you're going to do, you need to go find a mentor. Don't care if they're an hour away. But you need to go find somebody who is a good person, who has a good head on their shoulders. And I don't know if this is most importantly, but importantly would be somebody who's been successful in the business. And whether it's calling them on the phone and talking to them and saying, hey, can I take you to lunch? Or just talking on the phone or actually sitting down in front of them, you need to go let that person kind of help you make that decision. And if nothing else, I know it's ultimately your decision But at least listen to what they have to say and keep an open mind and really try to, after talking with them, try to make what is going to be the best decision for you and the best decision for your future and the best decision for your family. And I would highly encourage you to do that. Rule number three, when you get down to the nitty gritty of we're now decided what we're going to do. You need to ask good questions for the agency owner or the company that you're going to be working for. And you need to ask, and Bradley, I think this is important too. I'll let you speak on this. What are the warts? There's a what, lot of them. What is the bad side? Because every sales manager in America, every district manager, what do you call you, your guys? Uh,
1: district, managers. district
0: managers. District managers, sales managers, sales field reps,
1: whatever you want to you call need, them. What you need to do is you need to talk to some of the agents. Yeah, absolutely. You need need to find the most cynical and you need to find the most positive, brand new, drinking the Kool-Aid, swimming in the Kool-Aid. You need to talk to both of them. Right. And you need to ask, what's the best part about working here and what's the worst part about working here? You can do those two things. You can kind of figure out. And honestly, that's exactly what I did. Right. You've told me
0: before that you did that. You went and talked to the best and the worst. Guys, this is a career decision. It's a lifetime decision. I cannot tell you enough You need to do all this stuff before you just jump in and make some decision to go to work for an insurance company or an insurance agency and make
1: sure you figure out all the warts along with all the great stuff. Everybody's got warts. There's no company that doesn't. Absolutely. And like if you're in any of these insurance groups on Facebook, everybody thinks that their company is the best company in the world. And so, but everybody's got it. Everybody's got something that they're not good at. Everybody's got something that is sort of behind the scenes that this, this is an issue that you find out about, about week two. Exactly. And then you're like, well, if I'd have known that. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, for me, when I I talked to a guy, I actually had the op- the opportunity to work with this person. And after talking to him, I was like, no, that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, I talked to this person and, and I'm like, okay, I still want to do this. At least I know. And obviously the bad stuff with the most cynical people, one thing mm-hmm. to keep in mind is is that's going to be hyperbolized a little right. bit. It's a little bit exaggerated, but at least you know. You know, you'd rather know too much than not enough.
0: You know, to kind of pigtail off of that a little bit, off of something you just said that kind of struck me. I tell you if I was getting into business one of the things I would really take a hard look at before I made my decision are the people I was working with whether that's the manager you know the manager that's going to be over my my area or or maybe if I was going to work for a independent shop you know the people I was going to be working with on a day-to-day basis a little bit different if you're going to be an exclusive agent and you're going to be the only guy in there if you don't like him that's on you but if uh if you're going to work for an independent shop that's got 20 or
1: 30 employees, do I like these people? Are they good people? And, and I, I love, as a someone who interviews people, uh, which I have the opportunity to do, and as a former employee or someone mm. who's an employee, I love the concept of group interviews. One of the, the very first insurance interviews I did was with an agent and his entire team, and that's how we do them now is it sometimes is we try to is, is have everybody in there. So they can get used to us, and we can get used to them, and right. we get the group input. And then one thing I'd like to add, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Tim Ferriss. Right. You listen to Tim love Love, love, love Tim Ferriss. You listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast. Tim, and, Tim. we would absolutely love Tim, to have you on our podcast. when you're listening to this, and I'm going to tweet you and Thank say, you. hey, Please minute do. whatever. We're, right. we're, you know, we're, we mentioned you, but... Uh, Tim Ferriss had uh, actually Tim Ferriss was on. It wasn't on Tim Ferriss's podcast. It was on Gary Vee's podcast. I saw that one. And Gary, yeah, I've watched it three times. And Gary <laughs> Vee asked him. He said, uh, "What's some? What are some of the biggest tips?" Uh, Tim's new book is Tribe of Mentors. I got. Uh, I got to read it. Yeah, Tribe of Mentors. He went around and interviewed 131 different mentors mm-hmm. and asked them 11 questions, which is so Tim Ferriss, right? And compiled that together. And and one of the best pieces of advice he got from that is this person, and I can't remember his name, and he. He had his entire team interview people all at once. He got each person to rate the person they're interviewing. You're going to love this, or you may have heard it. They had to pick a number between 1 and 10 when describing how passionately they were about this individual, and they could not use the number 7. So pick a number between 1 and 10, and you can't use 7. So 8, which is really, really strong, Mm. or 6, which is that's failing. Yeah. So whereas right. seven is sort of this median, which a right. lot of people that, and, and one thing that I cannot stand is indecisiveness. Right. I'm like, I want to make a decision. When I try to decide where to eat, I'm like, we're going here, we're going here. It's not, you know, mm. and so it's, it's binary. You're mm. ma- you're forcing them to make a decision. And so that that's one thing that, that I love about that group interviews is, is yes or no. Right. It's, I think additionally that person, that person, I'm going on a tangent here, but I think additionally that person, if, Everybody didn't do at least an eight. That person Mm -hmm. was not hired. So let me go off on more of a tangent for you. This ties into what you just talked about. So about four
0: years ago, I read a book because I am Mister Self Help guy. But I've always had this fascination with guys like David Blaine. You know what I'm talking about? The the magician out of New York. He does a lot of different things, and I'm just fascinated by that guy. And some of the stuff he's a wizard. uh, Yes, he really is. And some of the stuff he does, I literally, I have no idea how he's doing it. But I was reading his book, and he he offered a very simple, and it's not even a trick. It's a mental, it's kind of a mental trick. And I use this on people all the time, and it freaks them out. But it goes into what you just said about the number seven. So in his book, he says, here's a trick you can play on people. Won't work all the time, but it's going to work about nine times out of ten. You can walk up to any individual on the street. You can stop them. You can say, "I want you to think about a number between the number 1 and 10. Don't tell me what it is. Don't tell me what it is. I'm going to guess it." And about 8 or 9 times out of 10, if you do that, that person is thinking about the number 7. So, you let them sit there and think about it, and then of course you are you sure you got it. You got it in your head? You're you're good, right? You got it you got the number? Yeah, I got the number. Is it 7? How'd you do that? So that number seven mm-hmm. is, and I guarantee you that has something to do with why this guy yeah. was doing that. Is that number seven is is like a default number that we mm-hmm.
1: all, or at least eight out of well, ten of us, have in our heads. Humans by nature are indecisive, and so seven is the number one perfect indecisive. Right. Oh, it's a seven. You know, right, seven's right. barely passing. I made seventies in school. Yeah, you know, right, I didn't right. give a crap about
0: it. So, guys. My last rule of thumb here, and we didn't talk about this in in episode one. If you have not heard episode number one of the Insurance Guys podcast, guys, I was spitting, Bradley was spitting absolute gold. You need to go back and listen to it. If you're a newbie that's about to get in the insurance business uh, or you've been in it for just a short period of time, you need to go back and you need to listen to that because it is absolute gold. But rule number four, and I didn't mention this, Bradley, but this is a big one. This is an absolute monster right here. If you ain't got it in writing, you don't have shit. Sorry, I had to cuss. But if you don't have it in writing, you don't have shit. You need, guys, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to challenge you. If you're going to go to work for an agency, whether it's an independent shop, I know if you're going to work for an exclusive agency, you know, company, uh, exclusive company, you're going to get a formal job offer, You need to require a formal job offer and a formal job description. And Bradley, let me tell you why you need to do that, especially if you're going to work for an independent agent or you're an associate agent that's going to work for an exclusive agent, because it seems to me that a lot of agency owners seem to get this weird amnesia, this strange amnesia, six months, a year, two months in. Well, we didn't agree on that. We didn't agree on that. We didn't talk about that. And that's more so the case if you're going to work for an agent versus corporate. Because a lot of times,
1: but even in both cases.
0: If you don't have it in writing, you don't have shit. So if the sales manager has promised you with XYZ company that at six months, you're going to get a $5,000 bonus, guys, listen to me. You better have it somewhere in writing. I don't care if it's an email. I don't care if it's, you know, these are the requirements to get it. But you got to have it in writing because what is not in writing will not happen, will not happen. You know, the first 90 days you're with an agency, everybody's happy and y'all are French kissing each other and telling each other how great you are. But then at year three, when that independent agent told you that if you worked your ass off every single day you were there and wrote X number of policies at year three, he was going to retire and you were going to take over the agency, guess what? If it ain't in writing, and he wakes up after a bad piece of pizza and decides he's not going to retire for another five years, well, there you go. You don't have anything. So, guys, make sure it's in writing. That's all I'm going to say. I think I've beaten that horse to glue. Sounds so, like you know from firsthand uh, experience. I do. yes, in a lot of different ways I know know from experience. So, so guys, let's talk a little bit today about episode two. We, we've kind of covered episode one. Uh, episode two you're in the insurance business now what what are we gonna do what are we gonna do well, first thing we better go do is sell some damn insurance that's the first thing we better go do but but let's talk about first day game plan if I were a new agent and I was getting into business or, or may, hell even if I don't if I'd been in it for a while and I wasn't having a lot of success I would I would highly encourage new agents to go out and read the book by Warren Barhorst the book is called game plan. I read it about five times right before I got into the insurance business and it is a fantastic read on, hey, I'm a new agent and I need to get out there and start selling some insurance. And I think for new agents that are going out there into the world it talks about marketing, it talks about a lot of different things, but my advice to you guys is to go read that book and really try to take notes and, and adapt a lot of what's in that book as a new agent.
1: One thing that I think a, a mistake a lot of new agents make, and I am not a organizer planner mm-hmm. by nature. So I'd, I probably feel more on this side than anything else. But I think a lot of people just fart around and right. don't, you know, push paperwork plan around their desk. The, yeah. Go out there and sell something. I think a lot of people forget the fact, and I've known some agents that, that did not make it, quote unquote, did not make it. As agents in the industry or the marketplace, even around here, were shocked. Right. Oh, my gosh. How did she or he not be successful? Mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, it does not matter how much direct mail you buy. It does not matter how many phone calls you make. It really doesn't. It does not matter how many times you post on Facebook, how many times. And I and I, and I talk to a lot of new agents, and I tell them this. is There is no silver bullet. Everybody's looking for right. a silver bullet. Right. and at the end of the day, you are selling something. You've got to sit across that table from somebody and sell them something. A lot of people forget that. Absolutely. A lot of people forget the go to work. Right, right, the, right, to. They, right. they just want to sit back and plan. And, okay, if I do these things, it'll all just – and I thought that as a new agent. Mm-hmm. I thought – I remember working for a life insurance company with no office sitting there thinking, man, these son of a guns in these offices with these signs have not made. People just walk in the door and come mm-hmm. to them. I mm-hmm. remember thinking that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like that. I mean, no. you've got to make that phone ring. And you've got you've got to be the one that, that's putting in the work. Absolutely. To that
0: point, guys, a couple things I want to say. The days of sitting behind your desk aggressively waiting on the phone to ring are over. Okay? And if anybody wants to use that, make a picture of that, do a poster of that, put it behind every agent's office in your in your agency. The days of waiting on aggressively waiting on the phone to ring are over. With that said, you've got to get out there and go sell something. And this comes from one of the chapters in Warren Barhorse's book. And I want to speak to this because I think it's very, very important. Bradley, you've got to become the insurance guy or girl in your community, in your circle of influence. And here's something I learned. I learned this at a nationwide conference one time, and I have never forgotten. I think about it every single day. Had a guy come speak at a big nationwide conference, no telling how much we paid him to come. Hmm. He said, "You've got guys, you've got to become the mayor of your village. Uh-huh. And that, to me, spoke to me just trying to help people in any way you can. I don't care if somebody comes in my office and needs a damn bowl
1: of a watch fixed. I'm going to go try to find some place to go get their watch a- fixed for them. A- you have to, and this is, comes from a non-egotistical standpoint, and you have to be careful who you say this to mm-hmm. because they can absolutely take it the wrong way. Your goal needs to be to turn yourself into a local celebrity slash pillar of the community. Absolutely, and and that's from a non-egotistical standpoint. It's from a I want to be successful standpoint, and you know you need to you need to find those people in your communities that are you know every district manager in the world will tell you you need to go find your COIs, mm-hmm. your centers of influence, and right. that's great advice. Help try to become a center of influence. Right, you don't need to try to buddy up with them to get business from them. You need to try to buddy up with them to get in their circle. Right, right, and right. that was I mean that was my goal when I when I started you know, in Sarah land is I wanted to become one of these, you know, I wanted to just become well-known in the community. I still haven't accomplished that mm-hmm. in my head, mm-hmm. you know, but I think you need to get comfortable with that idea. i you know? tell you, i tell you the other
0: idea you better get comfortable with is working your ass off, especially when you get started in the insurance business. The first two or three years, I would have the expectation that I'm going to work 15 hours a day I'm going to get I'm going to get up earlier than everybody else. I'm going to get go to bed earlier than or earlier than everybody else and hit it 6 days a week. You know, you cannot be successful in the insurance business. Don't care what you're selling. If you're not hitting it as hard as you can. Now, if after 5 or 6 years of doing that, you need to back off the throttle just to kind of keep from burning out, I get that. I've been through some of that. But you can't, you cannot expect to go out there the first year or
1: two and work seven, six, seven hours a day and go to the golf course. You don't have a job. You don't. You don't. It's this is you have to treat it like a business. Absolutely. And so many people I see it when I look at agents that aren't successful. And like I said, I'm not putting myself on any pedestal. But when I look at people who are not successful and people who are successful by revenue and number standpoint, right. Now they may hey they may be happy making seventy thousand dollars a year and not doing anything and getting to go to their, their kids' baseball games and stuff like that. That's fine. But but when I look at people who I would consider successful versus not, the people who are successful treat it like a business, whether they are a W two employee, a team member or not, and the people who who are not successful treat it like a job. And that's that's a problem. Well, guys, to that point, let me say this. Bradley and I had the honor and the pleasure
0: yesterday of talking to a titan in the insurance business. Chris Paradiso came, spoke to us yesterday. I asked him a question. I asked him a question. Chris, take me through your typical day. Take me through a typical day of Chris Paradiso. And he said, well, you know, typical day for me, I usually start posting social media for my agency at 345 in the morning. Actually, he said 3.45, and Scott said, is that a.m.? I said, is that a.m. or p.m.? And he said, a.m. Guys, I'm going to drop the microphone on that one. He was tweeting me at 3.30 this morning. He was tweeting Bradley at 3.30 this morning. Guys, listen to my words coming out of my mouth. If you think that you're going to work four hours a day or six hours a day as a new insurance agent, and this is a guy that I don't know how much premium he has, but I'm going to guess it's probably more than anybody else listening to this podcast maybe all of them put all together. Them goodbye. <laughs> so, so, so I'm just telling you, harder you work, the more you work, the more productive you are, the better your systems and processes are, the more successful you're going to be. End of story. So let's move on. Do not listen to me, guys. Do not go out and pay a bunch of money for rent every month. If you're a newbie starting out, you're by yourself. Every time I go by a Class A shopping center and I see an agency that is probably paying $3,000 a month to be in there, I
1: really want to just go inside and punch somebody in the face. And let's be honest, a lot of times, in those and this is neither here nor there, but a lot of times those Class A shopping centers, it's not local people shopping there. Right. The right. locals tend to stay away from that crap. Right. Tamp your rent down,
0: find, find some place that's around a landmark you know, you need to have a nice office. You don't want to have something that looks like, you know, a junkyard. But I'm gonna tell you this, you need to tamp your rent down and just be around a landmark. Hey, we're across the street from the fire station. We're down the road from the fire tower. But if you're a new agent starting out, you do
1: not need three, four, or five thousand dollars a month in rent. You just can't do it. You'd be better off taking that three, four, five thousand dollars, carving out eight of it, putting that towards your rent and hiring a team member or two team members or Absol- three team members with that extra money Absolutely. who are going to make you twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. So guys,
0: watch your rent. Don't go out and spend $2,000 a month on rent unless you're in downtown Manhattan in New York city or something. And that's but cheap. Yeah. But most, most people aren't in downtown Manhattan. So next thing, family and friends. You're going to sell to your family and friends, Bradley? we
1: talked Bradley and I've talked about this about a million times, I think. I probably feel strongly about this more than almost anything else. <laughs> and it's the most opposite of what everybody will tell you. The one thing that everybody tells you when you're in insurance, hey, you go sell to your family and friends. And I've had and I've told this on several mediums and to several people outside of this podcast. And a lot of people know I feel this way. And I finally the other day had one person whose opinion I value very highly said, you know, and it was my fiance, yep. you know, that's pretty damn smart what you say. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what this is, is every district manager, nothing against them. You know, everybody's going to tell you, go make your project 100, your friends and family, Right. make a list of your friends and family, and go sell to them. And Scott has sort of a little different view on this about, you know, Scott's opinion is that your friends and family probably ain't going to buy from you. And I'll let you touch on that in a second. <laughs> but go make a list of your friends and family. Well, And I see this a lot. A lot of new agents in all different companies that come in and they just kill it out of the, you know, they've got these first huge numbers. Or I'm saying even first year. Right. right. And they're selling to their friends and family. And they're playing the numbers and they're manipulating stuff. And then what happens year two is, whoop, Mm -hmm. they fall down. And the problem with doing it that way is you're not learning to do it the right way. Right. And what happens is, is people are selling to their friends and family, which if you can get your friends and family to sit down and talk to you, Mm -hmm. it's an easier sell than somebody you don't Mm -hmm. know just by nature. The problem is getting them... To sit down and talk to you, and that's yeah. You know, I'll let you touch on that in a second. But what happens is, 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 so. What I did when I when I got to my current company, I purposefully, on purpose, I had a. When I got there, I, it was my third company I've been at. I had worked for a very successful agent. I had worked for uh, a boiler room type atmosphere as well before that. So I kind of, I kind of knew what I wanted, knew what I didn't, and I had a plan. When I they wanted at Alpha, I was like, okay. This is what I'm going to do. And I just, whether it was right or not, I had it in my head. This is going to work. It's not, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. and so, um, I purposely did not sell to friends and family for the first year. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying if there's a need, you don't need to do that. Right. Because I did actually write my mom. Um, I think in my 10th month, a little, just a little small policy because there was a need there. But, I purposefully did not prospect friends and family right. uh, because I wanted to learn how to do it the right way. And I wanted to prove to myself that I could be successful without that. And so what happens is if is my numbers, if you look at them every year, they have slowly done this. I haven't been up and down, up and down. And let's be honest. The carriers are the ones that are telling you sell to friends and families. But at the same time, I would argue with those people that they would rather have mm. than right. that. And, and so... That's a big part of it. And so not that I needed to learn to do it the right way, but I did it the right way. And that's not to put myself on a pedestal or anything like that. The other side of that is, is if you don't sell to those friends and family, everybody's going to experience a lull. Everybody's going to experience a dry spell. I've been in a dry spell here lately. I broke the seal on that today. but Yes, you did. <laughs> but you've got those friends and family to back up on. If you do get to the point to where... You're yep. kind of running, you know, you're you're kind of in a drive spell. You've always got that to fall back on. Right. So that that's why you don't want to do that. And and I was actually talking to a, a successful agent that I sort of mentored under who's now retired. And his entire mother, sister, brother, cousin, everybody was in the business. And he said, hell, I couldn't do that. My mom had already written everybody by the time I got in the business. Right, right. And, uh, yeah. But that's something I would – and I'll let you talk about which how you feel about friends and family because I know you feel strong on that as well.
0: Well, I, I think – out of the gate, I wouldn't mind, you know, I think I even did this, where my immediate family, blood, brother, sister, mom, dad, my expectation is is they're going to put their insurance on me. But when you start getting past that, even out to best friend, extended family type folks, guys, my take on that is you give them a business card, you tell them what you do, they're going to watch you to see if you make it or not, and I'll be damned, and this is what happened to me after about year three or four that I'd been in the insurance business. All of a sudden I started getting calls from them. Mm-hmm. Hey Scott, you know, our insurance just went up. You want to take a look at it? Mm-hmm. And, and and it was, uh, it was really just them waiting
1: to see whether I was going to make it into business or not. So I, I attended a, uh, sort of a mastermind group mm-hmm. with several other agents, uh, within our company. And we went to a baseball game and, uh, between sessions and i was talking to one of the executives Mm -hmm. who used to be an agent Mm -hmm. which i respect the hell out of and so i we were talking and uh told him how i felt on the friends and family and he told me a story about he went to visit this guy that was very wealthy and i think was an uncle of a best friend talk about their insurance and sat down with him and uh guy said well i'm gonna think about it he said that i gave a great presentation guy says i'm gonna think about it for six years He said, I went and saw him every single year on renewal. He never showed me what he was paying. And we all know we have those people like that who aren't going to present you deck pages. Which, by the way, I have a problem with agents that the very first thing they say is send me a deck page. (laughs) But we can talk about that later. (laughs) I think that's lazy. I think you're you're cutting yourself out. You're shooting yourself in the foot because you're the professional. You work Mm -hmm. up anyway. So the seventh year, and I think it was seven, he presents his case. He shows it to him, and the guy flips a piece of paper over he says, well, here's what i got now. And so I looked at it and said, great, we beat your price. And he said, you beat my price the very first time you met with me. My insurance is very important to me. I'm a wealthy person. This is how I protect everything I've ever worked for. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure you were going to stay in the business. Wow. There you go. The end,
0: folks. Yeah. And I think that is the overriding theme for most family members. My friend and great American, Mr. Frank Amos, just retired from Nationwide after about 35 years in the business. He retired in December. And I remember him telling me a story one time. He said, he said, Scott, he said, it was my first year, first week, first month in insurance. And I went up to my father-in-law's house and I said, Hey, I'm getting an insurance business with Nationwide and uh, I need to put your business with me. You need to put your insurance with me. And his father-in-law said, well, you know, Frank, you've only been doing this for about a month now, and uh, I've been with State Farm for forty years. Hell, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can put my insurance business with me till I figure out whether you're gonna make it or not. And Frank said, he looked at him. He said, "Well, hell, if you don't put it with me, I know I won't make it." <laughs> so, you know, i I, I think, uh, I think most extended friends and family will eventually put it with you, but but they got to know you're gonna make it. They don't want to do the whole swapping over, and in a, and I see, I've seen that firsthand with agents that I've worked with that did not make it and they have written all their friends and family. And now I get their, fr- I get that book. And a lot of those people, I still have, have their business. And, um, I don't know, it's, um, uh, that's a tough call, but I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, I, I would probably lean away from that if I could. I would too. Yeah. So, so moving on from that self-awareness guys, once you get in it, you need to really look yourself in the mirror. Take stock in yourself, especially after the first three months, six months, or a year. Decide whether or not it's right for you. Don't stay in with, a, with an agency if it's just not
1: working out. If you're starting to dread going to work every day, you hate it, go ahead. But the grass is always greener on the other side, but you still have to mow it. Absolutely. And we, we tell you that advice very gracefully because salespeople have the tendency to bounce. Yeah, yeah. You need to be able to recognize that it's you, right? Whether it's you or that that vehicle. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And like I told you, I think I said this to to somebody the other day. You know, some people just aren't supposed to be in sales. You know, if you've got the accountant type personality, they're an introvert. You hate people, guys. Insurance may not be for you because insurance is a people business. It's a relationship
1: business. Tell everybody Scott what you ask all of your new hires or or when you're interviewing people.
0: I asked them, point blank, do you like people? And, and you would be shocked at how many of them go, no, I do not. And my next statement is, I'm not sure the insurance business is for you. And
1: I'll be completely honest with everybody, and I've never told Scott this, but I used to not like people. Really? When I first got in the business, my manager used to tell me, okay, it's Friday, you can stop being nice to everybody. But what happened is, is I learned, hey, I'm pretty good at talking to people, and I learned to love it. You are the perfect example of what I tell everybody.
0: What are you willing to give up to be successful? Yeah. And you somehow and, in your mind over time realize that, Hey, if I'm going to be successful in this
1: business, not liking people is probably not going to well, work out real well. And I me. wasn't an asshole or anything. I right, just, right. I just, I got anxiety about talking to yeah. people and I learned that, you know, Hey, I'm going to have to get over this, right? you know? Yeah. And that was really ending by the time I got an in insurance business. But yeah, I mean, I, and I went to a high school. There was 22 people in my graduating mm. class mm. and, Everybody knew everybody and everybody right. didn't like everybody. So it, it, you know. Well, guys, you got to like people to be in the insurance business, especially if you're going to be a CSR, customer service, or hell, for that matter, an agent. You have to be able to care right. about people. That's the it, CSR position. You've got to care about people. So many people out there, it's just. They're trying to make it to five or they're trying mm-hmm. to make it to retirement. Mm-hmm. And you you have got to be able to care about people. And it's that agent's job to reinforce that right. and reinforce the fact that, hey, if somebody comes in, I mean, forget being friendly so we keep their business. If somebody comes in and we don't ask them about life insurance and they die in a car wreck tomorrow and their family has to sell everything they've ever worked. You know, their kids end up on the street. They're buying clothes at Goodwill. They're eating at the soup kitchen that is your fault. That is our fault. That is nobody else's fault but ours. Now, obviously it's not, but if you have that ingrained in you and you believe in your product like that, additionally with raising limits, if I write somebody who I know has a high net worth minimum limits and they hit somebody and Mm -hmm. that's on me and there's probably gonna be a lawsuit to follow. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think caring for people,
0: understanding your products Making sure that you're taking care of the people that that you have in your book of business is extremely important. You know, I've seen people that we have begged, begged to take out a life insurance policy on a husband or spouse and that person pass away. Mm -hmm. And that's different. And a year later, a year later, that person is is literally destitute and had to sell everything
1: they own. mm -hmm. And you talk about a bad situation. I'll tell a story. I don't know that I've ever said this on the air. Right when I got in the business, and you know, every I was lucky enough to work with at my first company with a with some forty year agents. Literally, Mm -hmm. they were so successful they wouldn't retire. And they all had these stories that they told prospects. They all had stories about, Mm -hmm. well, I did this and this happened to try to make sales, and they were real stories. Mm -hmm. And so what they would do is they would teach us younger guys, okay, you make you up a story, you take my story, you make my you take my story and you use it. And that is not manipulating the prospect if you're selling them the right product and you're doing it in an way, ethical way. I was in the business, and a, a friend of mine, have I told you this story? A no. friend of mine reached out to me, and I was actually in between companies. I had just quit the first company, and I was getting ready to go on board. And it was about a two-week dry spell where all I did was play golf. And uh, he actually saw me at the golf course, and he said, hey, man, I need to buy some life insurance from you. And I said, man, I said, I, I can't sell you anything right now. I said, but I'm I'm starting with XYZ mm-hmm. agency in a week and a half. I'll get with you in about two and a half weeks after the onboarding and everything. And he's like, okay, no problem. I said, now, if, if you need it right now, I can point you in the right direction. But mm-hmm. I called him about two weeks in, and I still have his file in my office, by the way. I called him two weeks in, and he said, uh, man, he, he was kind of – Gave me that little bit of life insurance pushback. Right. And because he was my friend, I backed off. And I'm a if, if you've ever done business with me, I'm a follow-up. If mm. I've identified a need and you've recognized that you know you need mm. that, mm. I don't back off. Bulldog. I don't back off. And it's because of this. But I was like that then, too. And uh, I, di- I didn't follow up with him. And two weeks later, he was dead. Mm. And his family had to cremate him mm. because they didn't have – any money
0: that changed the game for you didn't
1: it and I just remember uh I'm trying, having to hold it in right now I remember sitting on the edge of my bed crying one for my friend too because I was like holy because I did not do my job now I have one of these stories and it wasn't in a good way right it wasn't in a good way and I use that with prospects I've never put that out there um and that's been about I don't know Six years ago. I'll, I'll
0: tell you this. Every great life insurance salesman that I've ever seen, and I know a lot of them, all have a story similar to that. Mm-hmm. Where close friend, mm-hmm. they didn't sell them something, two weeks later they're dead. Or they did, sell, un- they or did un- sell them something, and two
1: weeks later they're dead, mm-hmm. and now their wife and kids are taken care of. Right. Yeah. Right. Every,
0: every great – because it is such an emotional sale.
1: Right. And luckily, yeah. I mean – you know the family wasn't. You know, I mean, right. it, you know, Destitute. he didn't. He wasn't married or anything. But, but, but it was just. I was just like, crap. Like yeah. because I did not do my job. Right. And I remember going to the funeral, and I, I, I couldn't make it to the funeral. I, I just I felt understand. so responsible for that. And, mm-hmm. and you guys need to do that. Yeah. You guys need to to realize the magnitude of what you're selling. You're not selling to make that sixty five percent or ten and a half percent commission. Right. You're selling to protect that family. I agree wholeheartedly, guys.
0: That Bradley Flowers is spitting gold right now, guys. <laughs> So so let's move on from that. And this is just, we're about to wrap this up, but I want to talk about a couple more things. Guys, you got to be everywhere. Sling those business cards everywhere you go. I don't do many things well. Let me tell you what Scott Howell does well. I will
1: sling a
0: business card.
1: Let's talk I about marketing a little bit.
0: We are, we're about okay. to. I will sling a business card at you in a heartbeat, but I do it in a way, and I don't understand why people get so Uh, that they can't do it for some reason or they won't do it because it's so easy. It's just you're talking to somebody, you're having a conversation, you literally pull out your wallet, you hand them a business card. Hey, if you ever need insurance, give me a call. It's that easy. I don't care if you throw it away, throw it in the garbage, put it in a desk drawer, keep it in your wallet, whatever you do with it. All I'm doing by doing that is I'm just planting the seed. I'm just planting the seed. Now, whether that seed grows or not, that's up to the, the person. But if I was a new agent, I would do my dead level best to hand out a thousand business cards a month. And I do that a lot. And that's a lot of business cards. If you're slinging a thousand business cards a month, you're probably getting somebody calling needing some insurance. Agree or
1: disagree? I, absolutely. How do, you, do you do a lot of that? I do a lot of yes and no. Yeah. I leave a lot of business cards at a lot of places. And I mm. think I probably don't do it enough. Now, I'm not in the position that a new agent would be in desperate right right. Uh, you know but uh i I still think everybody has to have that bulldog hungry hungry Mm -hmm. bulldog on the Mm -hmm. back of a meat truck Mm -hmm. you know mentality yeah yeah. um what i do a lot of is uh i make sure people see my face whether that's on a business card a uh air freshener a pumpkin pie right which i did at thanksgiving yes and then i in turn pair that with showing up at places right and, and try, any event that anybody's going to be there, mm-hmm. I try to show up to mm-hmm. that. That is your job as an agent. It's Absolutely. not to really sit behind the desk and make phone calls, right. even though you have to do that when, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on your situation, you may have to do that more or less than others. But um, I don't hand a lot of, hey, here's my business card, call me. But I do, I leave them in a lot of places that I know they're going to be found. Right. And I did that in the beginning. you know. But I try to, and I'm at the point now where, one thing I pride myself on is prospecting. And I'm kind of at a point now to where I can kind of play the long game a little bit. And like, hey, man, how are you doing? And right. and so what I did personally in the Saraland Land Chamber, uh, which the Saraland Land Chamber was pretty much wrapped up by one company when I first got there. Somebody got in at the right time, and I came in three or four years later. is I started going to every single chamber event. Everything. Now they give an award for that. I never got that. But – uh right. I went to everything, I, and, and I, w- I would encourage I w- a- new agents to do yeah. the same. And I everything. would not talk about insurance. Mm-hmm. They knew what I did. I had my name tag on, right. which is a good way to you know. I would just I'm just there. I'm going to be the first guy they think about when that and that that's kind of my. I'm not so much in your face, but mm-hmm. but I am. I'm going to just be there present. and I'm a present and top of mind and and I'm going to be the first person they think about when. They think about their insurance. And I'll tell you, I would probably say that my closing ratio, once you get in front of me, is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Because I do a lot of relationship building and foundation. And mm-hmm. and there's a lot of infrastructure built in that sale before they sit down with me. So, So to that point, I want to
0: add something to that, guys. So I separate marketing out into two mutually exclusive things. You have, on the front end, the prospecting side of what I'd consider marketing, okay? And then mutually exclusive of that, and, and probably, no, I will say this is more important than that, would be your existing clients, okay? So you've got, here, over here, on the left-hand side, you've got people you're trying to get in there to get a quote, and on the right-hand side, these are customers, clients, members, whatever you're, whatever you want to call them that are already in your book of business. And for me, what I think about when I think about marketing is for the prospect side of the house, I want to do a little bit of everything because I don't think anything works by itself. And in the year of our Lord, 2018, I think you got to lead with social media because as you know, the Smartphone is now your new TV remote control, and it is surgically attached to your hand at all times and beside your bed on the nightstand when you're asleep. So I'm going to be doing as much as I can on the left side to get these prospects in the door to give them insurance quotes. On the right side, mutually exclusive of that, I'm doing as much as I can to touch these people through the year that I already have as, as clients. And I'm going to tell you this. If you think getting prospects and leads in the door are important, more important than that is keeping what you have on the books. And so what we try to do is we try to kind of blend both. We're trying to reach these these prospects on the left over here, and we're trying to keep what we got over here by reaching out, touching them, doing reviews, sending Christmas cards, calling them on their birthday, touch, 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 with as many touch points as we can get, With our existing client base. Why is that important? I'm going to tell you why it's important. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is when you lose a policy with an existing policy holder, now you got to sell two to make up for it. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be the guy that writes 100 policies and loses 99. Exactly. Loses 95 of them. So, So let me explain something to everybody. When you've got these policyholders over here, the the happiest day of my life typically is when I have a policyholder that calls our office and they say, Scott, Lauren, Athena, Amanda, whoever answers the phone, hey, my insurance went up and I was just hoping if you could help me out with it because that is a hell of a lot better than Bradley Flowers sending me a fax at 4 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon canceling that person's insurance, and I don't ever get a damn call about it. I hate those faxes. and I, uh, I, When I, when I, do I hear it. a damn fax machine go off, uh, I just cringe because I, I know something bad's coming I out I use of the it.
1: cancellation form fax, but I hate <laughs> right. it.
0: Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I, I talked to a guy in business about three years ago that's a, that's a little bit of a mentor of mine. And I said, tell me about all the marketing and advertising you spent when you owned all those cell phone companies. He said, Scott, I'm going to tell you this. Whatever I spent, which was a lot of money, hell, I wish I'd spent twice as much on the existing customers I had. And, guys, there is, a, there is a lot of truth in that. And I am spitting gold right now. You need to be writing this shit down is what you need to be doing. Yeah, and but, Tim
1: Ferriss calls that the hug of death. Does he? Writing or gaining so much business that you don't. You're not able to cultivate it, and then you lose it. It's the hug of death. That's what they call it. The hug of death.
0: Okay. They can call it whatever they want to. I call it the damn fax machine going off (laughs) with with Bradley Flowers' office faxing my office a damn cancellation because we don't have the relationship with that person that's in our book of business enough that they would at least pick up the phone and let us try to re-quote their insurance and get it down for them. And that ain't their fault. That is our fault when that happens. And as you can tell by my tone of voice right now, if you want to see Scott Howell get pissed off, let that happen. And I'm not mad at the other agency. I'm not mad at the other person. I'm mad because every time that happens to you as an agent, just go in the bathroom, Look yourself in the mirror. I don't give a damn what the reasoning was. It doesn't matter. The reason was you didn't have the type of relationship you needed to have with that client for them to at least pick up the phone and give you the opportunity to save that business. Hallelujah, pass the Tylenol. I don't think I can follow that. Yeah. Well, guys, be everywhere. If you don't have any money for marketing, go get a box of Krispy Kremes. I love Krispy Kreme donuts more than life itself. Go get Krispy Kreme donuts. Go get a box. Take it to two. You know, take one box to a business every day of the week. That's five businesses that you walked into and said hello to. Drop off your card. Leave them some Krispy Kreme donuts. Again, you're planting the seed, guys.
1: And there's no silver bullet. No, there's every. Not. You know, and I did this starting out. I talked to a lot of new agents. I have a lot of new agents that, that I talk to, and and they all will say, "Man, I've been to every real estate office in town, or mm-hmm. I've been to such and such." They hadn't sent me anything. Well, the average real estate agent in the United States of America, I think, makes $20,000. And I'm not going to do the math, but that works out to like two or three homes a year. Just because they haven't sent you anything does not mean that they're purposely not sending you anything. The houses aren't being sold. Right, right, right. You know, so you need to do one of two things. You need to find the top guys who probably already have someone. Right. Or you need to... To pitch all of them. Both are going to take time. You have to cultivate that relationship. Absolutely. You know, how I personally cultivate that relationship is I try to send them business. Right. 5149. P- I pat your back, you pat mine. Absolutely. And I've done that since the get go. That's how you do that. Just like the Serve Pro and the the body shops that come to your office. Hey, oh, please. I can't tell you. Please, Pins. Send, please send me some business. Right, Scott, here's my right, pen. Right, right, right. Here's, you know, Every insurance agent does right. that, and they're like, oh, shit, here comes another insurance agent. Right. Please send me some business. They get that a lot, so you have to separate yourself.
0: You know, I've I've seen some guys that are better than I am at that, and that goes back to being the mayor of your village. Mm-hmm. But that ability to hit those angles, to hit those angles where they're giving business out to get business, I've seen some guys and girls that are extremely good at that, and probably better than I am at it, where they have that ability to, they want that business over there, and they know they want that business, but instead of just going straight for it, they hit an angle, and they send Miss Susie Joe over there to do business with them, and then they go after it Right, right. Because it's that reciprocity thing. Well, you know, Scott sent... Susie Joe over here and we're, now we we owe it to him mm-hmm. to let him give us a quote on well, that One
1: shirt. thing a friend of mine uh, Ren Bartlett who I think we're going to have on the podcast later this season. Boom. I love did, me some Ren Bartlett Did by the Ren, way. Ren is in a Ren is in a B2B uh, business so one thing he did through our mobile young entrepreneurs group which is a local networking group we founded here. You just keep that's, throwing that's, that out. I know. Mm-hmm. It's the it's no bullshit, no red tape. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about sending so many referrals. Mm-hmm. Uh, business, and I'll talk about that in a second. He would do a Facebook Live with business owners. Mm-hmm. So he's in B2B, so what he would do is he would go do a Facebook Live for them. Right. All can, I, kinda, can I tell you something? Yeah, sure. I'm going
0: to tell everybody in here. I've got, I got lots of people in the studio listening to this. I have been doing social media fairly religiously for about three years. I came up with the insurance guy online back in 07, 08. That's impressive. About, about a month ago, December the 26th, day after Christmas, some really good friends of mine, Diane and Steve Snell opened up a brand spanking new standalone Anytime Fitness in Hampton Cove where I live up in Huntsville. And I was there the first day it opened all the gym equipment I smelled like up did you saw the video mm-hmm. do you know how many how many views i got on that video uh-huh. doing exactly what you just talked about ren doing okay uh huh you know how many views i got 2400 yeah. most views i've ever gotten yeah a, on a on a facebook live video like mm-hmm. that now usually if i d- do one of myself talking about insurance or or whatever i get 3 4 5 600 views but 2400 views on that video that's unreal. My, my point is, it, it works. Right. And I didn't do it to try to do something for me. Yeah. It was just, they were friends of mine, and I knew they had just spent mm-hmm. no telling yeah. how much money on, it, this, on this gym. Here,
1: here's the thing, is people care way more about Anytime Fitness than they do insurance Shirts Guy online. Oh, no doubt. So, by pairing yourself with things and businesses that people care about, you sort of coattail use Johnny Gwynn's word, that audience, Right, right. you pull from them, they pull from you because your audience is going to be a little more professional, a little right. more, I'm not familiar with Anytime Fitness, but I'm, I imagine that insurance agents and people who follow insurance are the type of people that they want coming in there. And vice versa. I want people, I
0: right. know
1: what clientele
0: they have in that area of, of Huntsville and those are Scott Howell clients. So it did, it works both ways. I think this is a good time to wrap up and, and for anybody that t- wants to hear about working your ass off and thinks and thinking that we don't work our ass off. It is now closing in on seven o'clock and I know I am absolutely exhausted. We've had a
1: extremely long day today. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done Yeah, is this podcast. So I, I, don't take, this lightly this is not Bradley and Scott opening up anchor on their phone and no. and recording this is this is us we take this very seriously and we get zero from this zero dollars and I drove five hours to get down here
0: for two days we've batched we batched uh, a lot of episodes together I'm gonna say this guys I've never done something like this that was more physically and mentally draining uh it, it is it is a lot more than I expected but
1: but you need to be podcasting.
0: Oh, absolutely! Everybody does uh, now more than ever because voice is now the
1: voice is going to be the new texting. Thirty five percent, thirty five percent of mobile Google searches are done through voice.
0: Well, we've been in the texting revolution, and and I I don't know what people believe or don't believe, but you better believe Gary Vaynerchuk because mm-hmm. he's usually right on yeah. the button. And he's saying in 18 to 24 months, the texting revolution is going to go to the voice revolution. And
1: And I can already see it happening. I bought an Alexa, and I know you have one. Um, We've been using it um, at my fiance's house when I'm hanging out over there with her. And I don't have it at my – I don't have one at my house. I was there the other night, and I was laying in bed at my house, and I wanted to to Google something. And my phone was laying right beside me. It's never more than arm's length. Absolutely. And I was like – I almost said Alexa. And I was like, oh, I got to reach and grab. My I got to reach
0: over and, and grab. And I was phone. like,
1: it kind of, I was like, holy shit. Five years ago, I'd had to go get a laptop. Oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah. It, that's just. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. I mean, eventually we're going to have it implanted in our arm right. or in our head. And we're going to be able to say, hey, brain, Google this. Yeah, you know, we, we are very it's...
0: quickly moving to the, hey, Alexa or hey, Google Home, uh, you know, and, and on our cell phones and all that. And instead of texting, we're just going to be you open up hey. the phone and, and you hit the name you want to call and you just say the words and it and you it know, types and auto corrects everything.
1: Gary talks about clouds and dirt. Right. You know, you have your overall vision and you have your one of my great white buffaloes right now is I'm trying to figure out and I'm working on this with several different people when someone says Alexa buy me insurance, I want to be that mind. I want to be that guy. Yeah. And I and so, I, you got to before we close out, I'm about to close
0: the podcast. Please tell everybody the story about You asking for Alexa for insurance. The first time? Yes.
1: Okay, so to add a little bit of context, and we're going to talk about this in a later episode, my soon-to-be wife, a month and a day from today is going to be my wife, is my next door. This is the story you're talking about, right? Is my next door direct competitor. And it wasn't a, oh, we're together and I'm going to open it up. Agent, We were both before, you know, we had our agencies before. And so if I talked to a friend of mine, Barkus Patty, um, who sponsored, is going to sponsor one of our episodes, who actually used to do some stuff with Amazon and still does. I sat down with him for lunch and I stated to him what I just said. I want to figure out how to be that guy. And he said, well, there's several ways to do it. He said the cheapest way is to buy an Alexa and just ask it and figure out what you have to say for it to say you. And then you just kind of cultivate on that and you build that skill, quote unquote. That's the way to do it without paying for it. There are some companies out there that are paying for it and it's cool as hell. So I buy one. Actually got a one on Amazon and I bought one and I was so excited. I get it home and I open it up and I sit it and I plug it in. A little blue light comes on. And I'm just like, oh. and I have a pretty good online presence. I mean, if you Google insurance in this area, and I mean this humbly, I mean I'm gonna that's a focus of mine. Not hard to find. And uh, yeah, I'm not hard to find. And I said, Alexa, find me insurance. And she spun around and she said, and my fiance's name is Laurel Green. And she said, I recommend Laurel Green. In Sarah Lynn's Alabama. Boom! And I was like, Oh, and she, she thought it was, she was there. She thought it was the most awesome thing. I was just like, I bet she was in the floor. I bet she was in the floor. The next person it said, Mm. I don't know if you know, the the second person it said was probably my least favorite person on the face of this planet. Mm. (laughs) Mm. And I was just like, you've, got to be kidding me. I'm nowhere to be found on Alexa. <laughs> if I ask, hey, Alexa, call, call Bradley so, Flowers, Alpha Insurance. Yeah. I do not recognize that person. Right. Literally, that's what she says. So that's something that I've got to right, – that just better. eats me alive. Now, I think um, somebody did tell me on Google Home that I am number one because mm-hmm. that's connected to Google. And I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of five-star views with nothing less than five-star. So I come up pretty high on a search. Anyway, that's the story. And it was semi-viral around here on Facebook.
0: I think that's a great place to end. I think it's awesome. Guys, listen to me. Get your ass out there. Go sell some insurance. Take care of your family. Write good business for the agency that you represent. Write good business for the company that you represent. Stop sitting in the office aggressively waiting on the phone to ring and get out there and go sell some insurance. And remember, rewards come from action, not discussion. Guys, have a great week. We will see you next time. Bradley Flowers, I love you, man. Thanks, Scott. Let's go to dinner. Bye, man. All right, hang in there. Guys, we'll see you next time on the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com.